talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres Social Hour as we await the start of the regular season. Friar Faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres Social Hour with your host, Jesse Agler. Hey everybody, welcome to Padres Social Hour in June, if you can believe that. Quite a few days. Um, feels very silly to talk baseball. This is me talking, just for myself. Very, very silly to talk baseball right now. Uh, there is a but. Uh, that's why we're here. In fact, this show, and for those of you who haven't been with us all along or maybe don't know the history, this show existed several years ago. We got rid of it, and we brought it back uh, during the pandemic. Basically, when this season would have started, we brought this show back because the idea behind the show was basically, let's give something of a distraction to people. And that's generally what sports is, right? It's a distraction. I mean, for a lot of us, it's how we make a living for a lot of you guys as fans. I know it's a way of life, but I think if you boil it down, it's a distraction from like the real stuff out there. And, And that's why we brought this show back is because with the absence of games and with people going through as many difficult things as they were, we wanted to have something for you. And that's what we've been trying to do for the last like three months at this point, which is crazy. We're almost three months. Um, but these last few days have gone, I think, beyond COVID quite clearly, quite obviously. Um, and we'll we'll do our best to try and distract you again. Horribly, horribly sad time in this country right now. So uh, like I said, I personally, just speaking for me, I feel silly talking baseball right now, but I also understand the importance of uh, us doing a baseball show. And that's what this is. And it's a baseball show, so we'll do our baseball. And luckily, there is a lot to talk about with baseball. The plans for the 2020 season are perhaps starting to come together a little bit as the owners and the players uh, do what they do to try and and make this thing happen. So we will cover all of that uh, as we normally do. We'll even do our check-in of the KBO in Korea. Let me just say I hope everybody out there is hanging in uh, the very best they can. So with that, bring in today's co-hosts, A.J. Casvel of MLB.com and Randy Jones, the 1976 National League Cy Young Award winner. We'll do what we can to, to try and uh, just give everybody a little bit of a respite right here. Randy, well, can you believe that it's June 1st? Because this is this is a weird June 1st. Well, I think and A.J. can attest to this, that uh, I, I can't remember having a summer off in the last 50 years, okay? Yeah. I mean, I go 55 years, even when I'm 15 years old, man, when it was wall-to-wall baseball every single day. And and just for something like this is absolutely, uh, I'm astonished that uh, that we've gone through it. But, uh, you know, like you talked about, Jesse, it's just unfortunate the last few days. Uh, just seems like the, uh, you know, the world's getting a little more complicated. We have to find a solution. That's all I can say, you know. Yeah, I think Memorial Day is probably when it hit me the most that there was no baseball because it was it's I'm just so used to that being a part of my Memorial Day weekend. I'm so used to it being kind of the time where the season starts to get going and for us to be here and then for things to have kind of escalated the way they have in the last few days. I just hope everyone's safe. And like Jesse said, I, I couldn't have said it any better. We're here to kind of provide you that little bit of a distraction. Total side note, bad segue. Where is your beard, Casabelle? Gone. It's gone. I had a. Uh, I actually had a mustache over the weekend because what else am I going to be doing? <laughs> experimenting with facial hair. It was one of those like I want to say like a 
dodgeball Ben Stiller or Goose Gossage, but wow. that that wasn't going to make it into the public. So, <laughs> yeah, and I and I, I was going to describe it a little bit differently, AJ, and I think I'll keep my mouth shut over here. Okay, <laughs> I just. <laughs> All right, so AJ's clean shaven. Randy's in brown. He's ready to go. Mention Baseball 2020. Uh, with all the craziness happening in the world, uh, the Players Association and the league are doing what they are paid to do, which is try and put a baseball season together uh, for at some point this summer. And uh, I guess we found out late yesterday afternoon, early evening, that the Players Association had passed something back to MLB after what was a really – at the end of the day, a quiet week last week. We thought it was going to be a loud week. We thought it was going to be a newsy week. It wasn't. Uh, one thing went one direction early in the week, and then finally a response from the Players Association on Sunday afternoon. This is from Evan Drellick of The Athletic. Basically, this is the proposal in a nutshell. Schedule would be 114 games. If you remember, the owners had put out a number in the 80 to 82 range. Uh, there would not only be expanded playoffs this year, but next year, some deferred money. Uh, and anyone who does not feel comfortable playing because of the virus uh, would be able to opt out, still get their service time. Uh, payment would be different based upon, uh, you know, the, the medical situations that the guys have. So that was kind of like the news yesterday. There were a couple of other things that I felt like got a little bit lost in the shuffle, um, which I think for us as super fans and broadcasters are very, and writers in AJ's case, very interesting. Um, players were saying, yeah, we'll, we'll do more of the uh, good stuff for TV and, and radio with microphones on the field and that kind of stuff. And then also, and I thought this was a really good creative idea, something that I was shocked none of us have kicked around before, but the idea of doing, you know, all-star game and or home run derby in the off season, um, you know, to bring in some TV money, some revenue, and hopefully get some people in the stands as well. Because I think most of us realize the, the likelihood of an actual all-star game this year have uh, is, is not really a thing. So doing it in the off season made some sense. So that was sort of what the players had sent along to the owners yesterday. And then in the last couple of hours, we got some news about the owner's retort to that. Jeff Passan of ESPN uh, says they are going shorter season, uh, not longer season. So originally we had heard 80 to 82 games. The players this week said about 110. And today, uh, I believe the numbers on this next tweet from Passan that the owners uh, passed back was in the 50 range. So it's funny, I guess, AJ, uh, when you consider the players said 110, the owners said 50. We've all been talking about 80, 82, which is literally right in the middle of those two things. So I guess this is how negotiating works. I don't know. Yeah, you wonder if that's where it's going to end up based on where both sides are right now, because that's I mean, that that's literally. The exact halfway point was eighty was the eighty two number that we had been discussing, and you kind of hear both both ends of the spectrum now. Well, there's eighty two in the middle. Obviously, the money is 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 the issue. What kind of prorated salaries do you get if you play eighty two games versus if you play fifty games? Um, I, I think there's pr- got to be some concern over what a fifty game season would mean in terms of the fact that baseball has always been kind of about the 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 grind and the the extent of a long season and what it takes to get through that. And if we're shortening, shortening it to 50, all of a sudden it's just a kind of, it's a completely different season. That's not to say, it's not to discount it as invalid. That's just to say it's a different season and you have to accept the realities of that. And so I, uh, I, I'm, it, it's kind of, there's a lot to process there. So I'm still doing that as the news comes out. I'm still trying to learn the details and, and really learn how I feel about a season that works this way. But if, if, if it means progress, if it means we're getting closer to a baseball season, that's safe and that can, that can keep the players involved safe and the people involved safe and both sides kind of happy on the economic side, then, I mean, that, that is what I want to see. And then let from there, let's play ball. 
Yeah, I'm looking at it where you, you, you talk about salaries, the pro rata share of your salaries, guys. And, you know, once it's uh, 82 games, once once 121, which uh, leads me to I, I sense that more games you play, the more money you would make. It might be the desire. And the counter with 50 games sounds like sounds like they're trying to get to 80, you know, right in there. It, it's, it sounds like negotiations and. It's still like it's going to boil down to if it's 50, if it's 80, if it's 120. You know, I could think about how they're going to share the revenue and what the players are going to get and are they going to be satisfied with it. It's it's interesting because I don't know if it's like a, a news fatigue thing for me, but, you know, we've had some version of the conversation on this show. It feels like 100 times in the last few weeks about like how long does a season need to be in order to legitimately hand out a World Series trophy at the end of it? And maybe it's just because it's dragging on so long. and We've had the conversation so many times. Like when I saw 50, I was like, all right, sure. Like, why not? You know, what I mean, it's, it's like everything is so weird now anyway that like from a an asterisk baseball standpoint, I don't know. To me, 50 feels all that different than 75 than does 85 Maybe once you get to 100, it feels a little bit different. But, like, you know, anything is good at this point, I kind of feel like. And, and as AJ said, if you can keep everybody healthy and you have a good plan for that, just having some games would feel like a positive. I'm kind of, AJ, unfairly perhaps, I'm kind of, like, over the whole, like, well, would it really be a legitimate title? Like, I don't know, man. Like, let, let's just get some That's baseball. Just, and, and exactly. Play That's, yeah. I agree 100%. That's all I'm saying. And. You know, like, don't give me that. You know, some guy hits 480 games. Don't go there with me. All right. Yeah, that's a different thing. Don't do it. Don't go there. Well, yeah, I think the personal accolades are one thing. But if you're, I mean, if you're the best team in this format that has been laid out for you with 30 teams involved, isn't, I mean, that's not really all that different. I mean, look, we're going to look back on it and say 2020 was the year of the, of the COVID-19 pandemic. There's no other way to get around that. But you can still say this team won the championship in that year because they beat out 29 other teams. It's not I mean, it, it's it's obviously different, but in a way, it's not all that different because it's it's baseball being played and a champion being crowned. So, yeah, if we can get to that point, let's get there. Yeah, you don't you don't hear too much now about the World Series that were played during World War Two. Maybe it was a bigger That's deal right. then, you know, with a lot of the guys gone. But people don't say, well, that wasn't all the normal guys. You know, Ted Williams wasn't there, whatever. It was just sort of uh, absorbed into history. And we look back at the 1943 World Series right now. I don't think all that differently than we look back at 63, 73, 83 or whatever. So um, it, it's one of those things where, you know, history will judge it. But we'll know. We'll know it was different. We'll be OK with it being different. And uh Anything to be able to get at work. Like you said, the economics of it, guys, are, are not simple by any stretch of the imagination. The reason also, in case people aren't following the blow by blow, and I wouldn't blame you, uh, certainly now if that was the case, but basically the players are paid for regular season games. So the more regular season games they play, the more they're going to get paid, the, the higher percentage of their, you know, what would have been their full salaries for this year, they'll receive. MLB's argument is basically, hey, look, because there aren't going to be fans there, we're going to lose money every time we play a game. So their idea is fewer games means fewer losses um, in terms of their finances. So you hope that they can kind of find a place to meet and figure it out. MLB also, I saw one thing later this afternoon, apparently, at least by one reading of that March agreement that the two sides had, um, they don't need union approval on the length of season. Um, if they're just going to play, pay prorated salaries fully, they can make it 50 games without the union signing off. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. And hopefully, you know, they are able to, you know, sign together at the bottom of a piece of paper, as opposed to just something coming down unilaterally. But 
uh, you know, I think I speak for a lot of us when I say we would just love to, to see some baseball. Obviously, uh, the regular season and the length of the regular season and the DH and the expanded playoffs and all that stuff, not the only thing uh, from a baseball perspective being impacted by all of this. The draft, which is coming up very, very soon, will look very, very different. It is only going to be five rounds long. And presuming, of course, that there won't be a minor league season, a lot of questions about what happens when a guy gets drafted. So, Probably one of the best guys we could ever ask to talk to is Jonathan Mayo of MLB Network and MLB.com. He's sort of the, the draft guru and the draft expert. He was nice enough to check in on Friday, and I asked him everything I could think of about this upcoming 2020 draft. Jonathan, very much appreciate you taking some time for us. Uh, the draft is a little bit, I think, lost in the shuffle for some fans this year because of uh, everything else that's going on. But it is a fascinating little piece of everything that's taking place and maybe not so little. Uh, let's start with what we need to know. I guess the main thing we've learned is that the draft will be only five rounds this year. That is obviously a huge difference for a lot of reasons. What else is different in 2020 as far as the draft is concerned? I mean, that's the main thing. I mean, I I, I might argue with the that that it's getting lost. There's really nothing else happening right now. This is the only actual baseball event that's taking place. So everyone should pay attention, I think. But it's really, uh, you know, the five rounds are the main thing. Uh, you know, in the past, it's been 40 rounds. There's been talk of shortening it, and I think it will be shorter in the future. Uh, I think the, the other thing is that teams can sign players beyond the five rounds, but there's a hard cap for $20,000. So amateur players are going to have decisions to make they don't get drafted in the top five rounds, they'll have to decide, well, am I willing to sign and begin my pro career for just $20,000? And if not, they'll have to see if they can go back to school or move from high school to college, depending on the situation. You mentioned start their pro careers. What do we anticipate that might look like this year? I think a lot of folks uh, expect the minor league season to be another casualty of the uh, current global environment. So let's say a guy gets drafted eighth overall, 20th overall, third round, whatever it is, what's next for him? Do we have any idea? You know, I think there's so much that's kind of TBD uh, in life in general, but uh, uh, certainly in baseball, you know, under normal circumstances, the draft would happen. Guys would sign and they would go out and play short season ball somewhere or rookie league. You know, one of those those th leagues that started in late June. Uh, that's certainly not going to happen. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think there's going to be any minor league baseball this year. It just would be uh, too much of a logistical nightmare to try to figure that out. You know, if I'm a, a major league organization and there's a way to bring people in and have them work out. Maybe they're, they do some intra squad games, that kind of thing. If there's a way to do that safely, then maybe that uh, will be the way to go just to get them some, some reps uh, to, to get them started, even on strength and conditioning programs, things of that nature. Uh, but too much I think is unknown as to what the landscape will look like to know what teams will be able to do and, and what they're going to be willing to to do in terms of bringing you know, large groups of people together in one place. Minor league baseball obviously is, is going through a tough time like everybody is. And, and that had kind of even started before all of this. So we certainly understand that landscape without trying to be a uh, too, uh, too much of Karnak here. I mean, it could be a very different world even after the virus is, uh, is kind of handled. However, that ends up being right. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any question. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about uh, contracting minor league teams uh, I think this will end up being kind of a first step towards doing that. So minor league baseball isn't going to look the same. Uh, and, and I think for that matter, how draftees are are kind of handled after they are signed is going to change. Because I don't think there's going to be much in the way of short season or rookie level teams. Maybe there'll be like one level or some sort of pool play or a, like a, 
developmental league for guys who who aren't drafted or signed. But, you know, I think it's just going to be those full season leagues. And, you know, these kids taken out of high school, I don't know that you're necessarily going to want to send them straight to, uh, you know, thinking about like the Padres, the, the Midwest League, they're the lowest level full season ball uh, right out of the gate, uh, you know, when they when they've been drafted and signed in June. Makes a lot of sense, certainly. Uh, back to this year with the shortened draft, with the possibility of a, a shortened MLB season. What do you make of the the theory? I guess that's floating around the the internet about you know the possibility of a college arm or two, perhaps just jumping right into the fray with expanded rosters and all that. So, I mean, you know, it's happened every once in a blue moon where a guy has gone straight to the big leagues. Usually, it's the next year. You know, they've gotten the chance to uh, build himself up. I think Mike Leak may have been the last guy who actually. Uh, did that I, you know there, there are a couple of problems with with that scenario and I could see that there are some college arms you shorten them up you could put them in a bullpen and they could help a team win but like everyone else like the college pitchers haven't thrown a competitive pitch since March now big league players are going to have some sort of abbreviated redo of spring training before whatever season there is if there is one gets started you know, whether or not these guys get signed and get up to speed quick enough, I just think it'd be too much to get them, even the top college arms in this draft class, to get them up to speed and then expect them to face big league hitters. I think developmentally it probably would be a mistake. I understand like wanting to get them some reps and wanting to sort of get a, an immediate return on investment. But I, I think they'd be better suited that if they want to bring them in a camp have them throw side sessions, have them work with the big league pitching staff and the, you know, and the, and the coaching staff and have them see what that's like. I think that would be very valuable, but to try to throw them straight into the fire right out of the draft after this long layoff would probably be a mistake. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's fair. Jonathan Mayo draft uh, expert and guru for MLB network and MLB.com. You mentioned, you know, these guys haven't thrown competitively since March, like everybody else. Now we're trying to draft players, high school players, college players who haven't been able to be scouted in the traditional sense, literally in months. That's unprecedented. How how are the teams handling that as they get ready for the draft? They're throwing darts, I think, at names at this point. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, You know, thankfully, there's a lot of good summer baseball. Uh, You know, and and in years past, even in a regular draft, say a guy gets hurt, uh, but he pitched in the Cape Cod League really well. You'll see guys like they get drafted in the first or second round based on that summer because, you know, as underclassmen, they're not being focused on by the scouting industry. They're seen, but they're not being they're not being focused on. They, you know, usually you follow them into into the spring. So there's going to be a lot of reliance on leagues like the Cape Cod League for college players. A lot of high school showcase stuff over the summer. I mean, Major League Baseball did a three-week-long PDP league with 80 of the best high school players in the country over the summer. That helped uh, inform the USA Baseball as they put together their 18 and under national team. But it also gave them an unprecedented amount of data, which you normally have against good competition. You know, there was TrackMan data, all the stuff that, um, you know, teams like to get on college players. and, And those teams that like the college players better often point to having much more data. And there is more data. Uh, and, and the college teams went out and played more than most of the high school teams did this year, although some in warm weather states did. So I think it's really going to be relying on last summer, uh, a lot of looking at video. I know players have been doing you know lots and lots of uh, this kind of thing, talking over screens to scouting staffs to get a, you know, and, and you can get a sense of character and makeup that way. Obviously you can't see them pitch or, or hit competitively, 
but it's really going to be a combination of, of those things, I think. You mentioned TrackMan. We've talked endlessly, I guess, on our broadcasts about the way that's changed, uh, the way the big league pitching is uh, evaluated and taught and, and that sort of thing. How much has it changed in the amateur world the last couple of years? I, mean, I think it's it's changed a lot just because people know about it. Uh, you know, I think there probably were always pitching coaches or pitchers who tried to do things uh without knowing it to increase, say, spin rate or foreseen fastball up in the zone. Uh, but they didn't know that that's what they were doing. They were just trying to get more riding life on that pitch. But now they know that there's actually something that you can do and a measurement for it um, to, to, to do that. You know, can too much weight be put into you know, that kind of data? Yeah, I think that's always a, a problem on both sides. <clears throat> I don't think you want to teach too those metrics entirely and you don't want to scout off of those metrics only that data will probably take a little more importance this year because of the lack of well how did he do on a friday night in a big sec contest um but you know i i think the teams that do it the best and the players that do it the best the ones that combine just good old i'm gonna learn how to pitch i'm gonna learn how to throw strikes but i'm also gonna be mindful of the fact that a higher spin rate forcing fastball up in the zone is tougher to hit. Yeah, oh, we've heard that a lot at the big league level as well. All right, last thing before we let you go, uh, it's, of course, mock draft season as, as we get ready for this year's draft. Uh, your most recent, I think, at number eight, you have the Padres selecting Max Meyer. Uh, give us the brief scouting report, if you would. Yeah, and I can I can even double up by saying that Jim Callis did one this, uh, you know, just recently. He also had, Ma- I think he had Max Meyer in the same spot. So cement it. No, I'm not. It's so. I'll so, call AJ. Hold on. Yeah, so yeah, right. Tell him right now. Max Meyer is fascinating because he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's, he's only about six feet tall, but he was a position player. He's extremely athletic uh, and he'd done mostly relief work with some starting. They put him in the rotation this spring. This, this is a, one of the few instances where a college guy, what he did this spring is carrying more weight because the stuff has always been exciting. I mean, it's a, it's a fastball that, you know, well, touched the upper 90s, triple digits at times. He has probably the best breaking ball in the entire draft class with his slider. He also has a changeup. That athleticism means he repeats his delivery, throws strikes. And he showed this spring that he can maintain uh, over, over innings. Now, it wasn't a huge amount uh, of data because he only made, I think, four starts. But I think that was the big question is, you know, is he going to throw 98, 99 in the first or second inning? And then in the fourth inning, he's down to 92. That didn't happen. I think there's a lot of comfort that even though he's not that big, he's going to be a starter and he's got frontline starter stuff. It's super exciting arm. One of the most dynamic and electric arms in this class. Oh, well, you mentioned the Padres, the draft in the University of Minnesota. You think Dave Winfield. So that wouldn't be a bad uh, you know, end result if he ends up in Cooperstown. Much smaller, smaller yeah. version of Dave Winfield, but sure. <laughs> That's maybe where the comparisons end, at least for now. Uh, hey, really appreciate the time. Uh, glad you're hanging in and uh, making some time for us. Uh, continue to stay sane, and, and we'll continue to enjoy your, your wonderful draft coverage as always. Thanks so much. All right, Jonathan Mayo, MLB Network and MLB.com, talking draft because the draft – is coming up. Bring back Randy Jones and A.J. Casavell. R.J., if you go back in time to uh, your days as a college pitcher, imagine this was the year you were getting ready to be drafted. It has to be weird for these kids, yeah? Oh, it's got to be it's absolutely insane. You know, I mean, you worked a lot of years and just, just still chasing the dream. A lot of them, you know, kind of making it simple, that decision, am I going to sign or am I going to go to college? The university, and I, I think more are going to have that tendency of obviously going, you know, to college right now. 
yeah, you might you might see junior colleges under the criteria, you know, where yeah, you can you can sign after a year, you know, instead of a four year school of making that commitment. Uh, I'm not sure how a lot of them will handle that, but that's going to be some options they're going to have to decide because. I think a lot of them now, with especially with the money in the draft, uh, obviously uh, twenty thousand dollars probably is not going to get it done. Yeah, after the draft, AJ, what do you think of all the changes and all the adjustments we're making with the draft? Is going to be the thing that is most impactful in baseball? I'm very curious to find out what happens to the guys after the top five rounds because they, because baseball is a sport where it, it's not so obvious who the best players are instantly. And I was actually going back for a project I'm doing on MLB.com, looking at the different draft picks from the different rounds, and I went through pretty much every single round. And there are some incredibly useful guys that obviously came in after the fifth round, uh, Jake Peavy probably being the most po- prominent among them, but there's a handful of others too. And so those guys – aren't going to be drafted, but they're still going to find a home because if you have talent, teams are going to want you. And so I'm just very curious to see how all that plays out and to see why guys sign in certain places and to see when that happens and how it all unfolds. It's, it's unprecedented. And I mean, it it happens every year. There are always undrafted guys, Kirby Yates being one of them who, who end up making an impact, but there are just going to be, I think a lot more from 2020 because there are only five rounds. I mean, a lot more. I think and you're absolutely right. And they're going to be in, and believe me, these scouts, these, these players you're talking about, that don't make it to the first five rounds, AJ, you know, they're still going to be on these scouts radar. They know they can play this game and have a lot of upside potential. You just don't know, you know, at what age are you going to reach that potential? I think that's one of the factors when you see some of these players that go, further down in the draft and all of a sudden they become phenomenal baseball players. I mean, the talent was there. It's just how long is it going to take for that to flourish or to become very apparent? And I think that's going to continue to happen. And, you know, I, I just see, you know, I, I, to be blunt, I see the owners probably saving some money now and having to shell it out under this scenario for some of these other players. I think you're going to get them, uh, you know, it's going to be cheaper on them. They're not going to be investing the money that they have in the past, in my opinion. Yeah, and interesting too, like Jonathan was talking about, where these guys go. There will be no rookie ball prison. Yeah, there's no yeah, where are you gonna play? Yeah, maybe send them down to Peoria and put something together. Who knows? Uh we'll wait and see on that. AJ, one of the things I thought was so fascinating. ABO. No, 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 no. (laughs) We have a team bullpen help for the whiz, man. We have a team that needs help. The whiz. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love Uh, it. I'd be down, by the way. I'd be down. Send them to Korea. (laughs) Uh, AJ, it was so interesting to me that, he, you know, Jonathan seemed to say for a lot of these kids, and I'm sure it's not the case for everybody, but like not that big of a deal that they're not playing baseball right now, that you're not going to have that senior season in high school or that last year of, you know, before entering the draft in college or JUCO, whatever it might be that like, you know, a lot of the scouting has been done. They kind of know who it is and sure you're missing an opportunity to elevate if you're one of those guys, or perhaps you're, you're skipping past an opportunity where you might've gone down a little bit. Um, but it, he he didn't seem too concerned for the teams when it comes to the fact that none of these guys are actually playing baseball right now. Yet yeah, I would imagine there's probably going to be a few more misses in this draft, or just uh, might, the order might be a little more off than it usually is. But it's always off. I mean, how many how many redraft stories have you seen since during this pandemic when there's been no baseball? I, like one of the more fascinating stories that I I've, I've enjoyed reading are the 15 years ago redraft or the 10 years ago redraft and those stories. And it's never, the order is never correct. It's never precise. And that's not to say the scouts got it wrong at the time. It's just to say that, that guys evolve and guys change and you can't predict the future. And so this year you might have a little bit more of that, but it's still always going to be 
a tricky thing to predict how young 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kids are going to progress into their major league frames and into their, into their major league skill sets. And so it'll be, it'll probably be a little tougher this year, but it's always tough. One of the things that's interesting, of course, and we always talk about it with this, is it's not just the draft. It's the other D, develop. Uh, and it's, you know, how you treat these guys when they come in. One of my long-held sports beliefs, and it crosses all the different sports, but probably matters most in baseball because of the minor league system and the way that's set up is, you know, you could take a guy and put him into one system and into another system, and he could have completely different careers. Tom Brady is an easy example maybe from the NFL. Like, is Tom Brady Tom Brady if he's drafted by the Cleveland Browns instead of the New England Patriots? I would say no. You know, I mean, we'll never know. It's one of those things to say, and that's uh, that's a big part of it too. The the hands that get on these guys when they're drafted, and again, particularly in baseball, I know that, uh, you know, A.J. Preller with Sam Ganey as the farm director, they have really retooled everything when it comes to the way the minor league system for the Padres works. So hopefully uh, for a benefit. All right, let's uh, do some history. This is always fun uh, on this date in baseball history. Nothing Padre-related today directly, although – on this date in 2012, Johan Santana threw a no-hitter for the New York Mets. That was historic because it was the first, I know, the first no-hitter in Mets history uh, against the Cardinals. And it was in the 50th season of Mets baseball. So the Padres, of course, now have gone longer than any team uh, in terms of uh, waiting for that very first no-hitter. Johan, by the way, Hall of very, very, very good um, you know, I don't think he gets into the Hall of Fame, but man, was he one of the most stellar guys in his generation, more with the Twins probably than the Mets uh, shoulder issues, as I recall. But uh, it's Mike Baxter making like the crazy play. Every no hitter has at least one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Johan doing it for the Mets. Randy, uh, I mean, you've been around this organization almost the entire existence of the thing at this point. All right, how fed up of you are that we still have to talk about no hitters in 2020? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it is it is amazing, absolutely amazing that we have not done it yet. I mean, you know, I came close a couple of times, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, you've got so many stories: Bennis, Ashby, uh, Steve Arlen, Clay Kirby, go all the way back to the early 70s, and you know, we we've had our opportunities, gentlemen. It just hey, it just hasn't happened, and I think I just think it's a kind of almost a miracle that it hasn't. To be honest with you. I've got I've got my own story. My first Padres game I ever covered was in 2011 at that Dodger Stadium. I was an intern for MLB.com in L.A. and I was covering the Padres for the weekend. And it was uh, Aaron Harang, I believe, pitched six no hit innings. They went to the bullpen. The bullpen pitched two and I believe it was two and two thirds scoreless innings, but it was a zero zero game. And so in the bottom of the ninth inning, it's still scoreless. And even if if they had completed that inning, it would have had to go to extras. But they ended up giving up the hit. I think. I couldn't tell you who it was, but they ended up losing in that bottom of the ninth inning. But that was the first, the first Padre game I ever covered. So I got indoctrinated into that, into that legacy very quickly. Um, I will say about that Johan game and Jesse, you're absolutely right. He is. I mean, if you look at those five seasons, I, I don't know exactly what they were, but maybe like Oh three to Oh seven, he was the best pitcher in baseball. And I don't think it was that close because I was looking at a lot of Jake Peavy stuff recently. And I think Jake Peavy is probably number two in that discussion. And so it's probably Santana, and then Halliday PV right around number two, but he was unbelievable for those four or five seasons. Um, I was at a wedding that day. I remember where I was, and I remember us all gathered around the TV. And that's now one of the one of the new things I forgot I missed about baseball was that no hitter where everyone kind of gathers around the phone or the TV or whatever, curious as to what's going to happen, and either the guy gets the hit or doesn't. But I have a lot of those stories I can tell you from a lot of the past no hitters, regardless of what team it was, and uh, just another thing I miss about baseball. 
I don't want to see Joe Randa. Get Joe Randa off my screen when he comes. <laughs> uh, yeah, one of the uh, more recent-ish uh, Padre near no-hitters. This game was on Fox Sports San Diego last week with Chris Young. Uh, that's not going to be it. This is going to be one of those defensive plays we talked about. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, AJ, how many full seasons now covering the team for the Padres? For you covering the Padres five? This is – well, this would have been my – this is my fifth when it starts, yes. Was there any point – during a Padre game during those last few years where you thought, Oh, it's happening tonight. That Jordan Lyles game was, he was yeah. on man. He was, he was on a different level from what Jordan Lyles usually is. Jordan Lyles has some really good stuff, but his stuff was even better than it usually is. And so it was a getaway day. And so you figure maybe, maybe there's the Rockies bats just aren't brought to life quite like they usually should be. That was the one time I was sitting up there and I thought, man, this might happen. Chris Paddock against the Marlins was was on that level too, I thought. But uh, obviously, I think both of those were broken up in the eighth inning. Tyson Ross in Arizona, that same year as mm, Jordan. I wasn't there. Two years ago. Oh, oh, yeah. uh, that was another I one. I like, dinner Tyson. with my in-laws' parents to watch that. To, ah, to very nice. Watch the end of that. What a memory. What a memory you have, AJ. I remember the, the Tyson one in Arizona. I think it was Christian Walker who broke it up. And it was the cool thing about it was he was one of those guys – whose arms they weren't worried about protecting at that point in his career. Like we've had all these young dudes the last few years where you just knew they weren't going to let him go 90 pitches or hundred pitches or anything, you know, really beyond that with Tyson, like you could have gone 140 that night. Like if he would have kept going, they would have left him out there. He'd been around enough. So like he had the legitimate, you know, way to try and finish it off. But yeah, that was, I think all of those, I started thinking it paddock. I might've been just too jaded last year. I was just like, no, like, you know, <laughs> it's just, you've become, I've become so cynical with it, but um, a lot of near ones. It'll happen at some point. I yes. promise. I just hopefully we're still here. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe I should just talk for myself, guys. I don't no, know. no, <laughs> hey, it counts the same for all of us. I was uh, this date in 2012. We're going to go way back for our other this date in baseball history to 1925. I think Bill Center covered this game actually mm-hmm. at Yankee Stadium. Um, <laughs> Lou Gehrig, uh, who had had a couple days off for the Yankees, he was slumping. Uh, kind of, you know, numbers were down. He's hitting like 170-something, I think. Uh, so he pinch hits against Walter Johnson, by the way, of the Senators, which is just so cool that, like, that would be it. So he gets into the game as a pinch hitter, starts the next day, and then he would never take another day off, basically. The very start of his uh, consecutive games played streak at 2,130, the Iron Horse. Uh, that began on this date in 1925 as a, a pinch hitter. Randy... I, I don't mean to put you in the spotlight as a, <laughs> of a different generation than AJ and I, but before Cal Ripken did what he did to break this streak, did this feel forever like one of those that would never be touched in baseball? Oh yeah. I mean, you, you gotta be kidding. 2,130 consecutive games. I mean, you, you, you think you'd get a cold or you'd get the, the flu somewhere along the line in all those years. And, and if you step up and be in every single game, uh, that just is incredible. You know, what Cal Ripken did, what he did. I mean, and, and to take care of yourself and your body and have the, have, you know, have the endurance and stamina to do that, you know, day in, week in and week out. That, it's absolutely incredible. It really is. That's like, you know, like DiMaggio's consecutive game hitting streak and things like that. Do we see that one, AJ, 56 in a row hitting streak? I can't see it. And I, I, I've kind of have gone back and forth between what's more unattainable, 400 or 56. And I've, I've always thought 56, and if we're going to do throw a shortened season in there. I mean, it's like 
400 <laughs> is clearly more attainable just because of the law of averages and the way percentages work. But 56 to me is like the way baseball is played now, unless there were some drastic rule change, maybe ban shifting and all of a sudden there's more of an emphasis on slap hitters. That's the only way I could see even a guy getting to like 40 I, or I, I'm, so Yeah. I mean, that 56 is, 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 it's got a lot of, I think forever. That's just, that's like Cy Young's 511 wins. Yeah. Calculated. You can forget it. <laughs> yeah. You know, definitely. Uh, I, I was, this was a name I was not expecting to see today. Uh, first of all, great picture of Orsillo and uh, his face. <laughs> um, Dan Ugla, 33 game hitting streak. Yeah. I, I did not expect to see Dan Ugla's name today. Dan Ugla was ahead of his time. Wasn't he as a player? He was like a little second baseman that hit a lot of home runs and struck out a lot. And in an era of like before that was fully appreciated. Which is why it's weird. He got that hitting streak. Like that yeah. wasn't the kind of player that he was. That's Not right. Yeah. Hitting streaks are crazy. I mean, every year it feels like, I mean, I, I wish I would have looked it up like last year in all of baseball, what the longest hitting streak was. I mean, some, there's some years I feel like it's like 20 something games. And you think about 56 and all the pressure and the media attention and everything that would go on it uh, as it progresses, uh, pretty pretty remarkable. So anyway, the Iron Horse began his streak on this date in 1925. Uh, so we go from uh, ancient Yankees Senators highlights uh, to very recent KBO highlights as we check in with our Ooh. Wiz and our KBO sadness report. Not a lot of victory uh, for Vic and Dory to celebrate these days. Our Wiz played a three-game series over the weekend against the Kiwoom Heroes. Uh, they dropped two out of three. Friday night, a 5-1 loss. Saturday, they got just knocked around 14-3. to They did salvage the final game of the series uh, at Kiwoom yesterday or Sunday. Yeah, yesterday, 12-8. to um, And uh, that turned into the gladness report because Mel Rojas Jr. is putting up MVP caliber numbers here early mm -hmm. on. Team has had some injury issues, very ineffective bullpen. Uh, but Mel Rojas Jr., his dad pitched in the big leagues, mostly for Montreal. Uh, you might remember him, has uh, really been uh, huge this year. And uh, there you go. So Wiz dropped two out of three. They'll open up a new series tonight, 2.30 a.m. against the Doosan Bears. And uh, everything you need to know about the KT Wiz is right here, guys. The starting pitchers have a 4.32 ERA collectively for KT this year. That's How about third the bullpen? bullpen, though? Third best. Uh -huh. Bullpen, 7.82. Worst Ew. in the KBO. Randy, you weren't kidding when you said we needed some arms. I'm telling you right now, man. Hey, you starters go nine. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, well. Uh, Doosan, the team they're getting ready to play, has the next worst bullpen ERA. So perhaps these next three days uh, will be ugly when it comes to uh, the bullpen. Let me see. There it is. Yes. Nice. I'm jealous. Scam. Pretty good, too. Good looking hats. Yeah, courtesy hat, literal hat tip to Bob Scanlon. Literal hat tip. Oh. Randy, you don't have one? Negative. Let me no. get mine. We'll make you jealous. What? You got one too? Sure. Oh, you grateful. That's it. Now I'm going to the ballpark. I'm going to go looking for one now. I don't believe these are available at Petco. Yeah. If you're not cheating, uh, well, I'll find one. All right. Yeah. You do that. You I will. Uh, it's a great logo. Love it. Uh, eBay. I'll go to eBay. I'll go shopping on eBay. Good luck, by the way. It's like <laughs> unbelievably difficult to find some of this stuff. Uh, they, they weren't ready for the American interest in the KBO, understandably. Who would have predicted it? Uh, one of the things we're tracking really closely with these games, of course, 
is like, A, how do they keep these guys healthy? Because that's something that MLB is very concerned with. Uh, but also the way the different teams are handling not having fans in the ballpark. We've seen creepy stuffed animals uh, in the first couple of rows uh, and all kinds of other things that they're trying to do. This was the most recent one I saw over the weekend. Mm-hmm. This might be the new creepiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Inflatables. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> a scary thought. <laughs> Who's blowing all you know that up? I just keep, I keep, I keep seeing images like this and thinking just, just how crazy it's going to be years from now when we look back on on what 2020 was like like look at this that's during a that's during a live baseball baseball game <laughs> it's just it's just wild if uh it, randy if you were in charge of the padres and we cannot have fans at petco <laughs> what would you do if anything to fill the seats nothing nothing you're leaving it Not a, yeah i'm leaving it i mean come on i mean it's well yeah after a while you might you, you might just get bored and go down there and do something but i mean if they if they just you gotta let a few people in. I mean, hey, you gotta let somebody somebody's blowing up all those dolls. You know, good lord, man. <laughs> That's a great you point. Know. Like, is yeah. that on the marketing people or the grounds crew? Like, yeah, who's doing all that? You know, and, it, it, like and, that? Then, and then what you gotta do is you gotta try tie a string around like thirty of them around their neck. So when you pull the string, they all you know react and there's a home run or a, a hit. See, there's a lot of work to be done out there. There's the creepy stuffed animals. <laughs> That's crazy, man. <sighs> like and the who, bear in the Robin Hood hat on the right. Yeah, and, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. In, the, in the yeah, in the big mouth guy. In the Castro, front what about you? What would you do? I think I would. I mean, I, I'm not all that concerned with what's going on in the stand. So I'd probably, I don't know. You can sell it for ad space. Do what you do what you can. Do what you got to do. What I wouldn't have is is piped in crowd noise like we've seen in some soccer matches in Germany. I, I would love to hear I would love to hear a little more of the communication on the field. That's one of the things that always kind of strikes me when I watch a backfield game during spring training or a B game or something something similar to that. It's just just it's, the, the talking you, on a fly ball or the or or the chatter in the infield. I'd rather hear that than piped in fans. I'd rather yeah. see what we're actually seeing. Well, a lot, a lot of that's, that's not, not there. AJ, that's not fact, man. That's cussing, you know. <laughs> you know, put a, put a I, disclaimer. I, put a disclaimer I, before the game. I can remember, like when I broke it in '73. Now I'm talking about small crowds, 3,500, maybe five. You know, at the Murph. You know, and you could hear everything on the field. Yeah. You know, I mean, a pitcher make a mistake. You know, you know, like hang a slider. Everybody and their mother knew what he thought about that pitch when it went out. <laughs> I mean, you heard him. I, I think fans would appreciate the. The, the yeah. realness of what's yeah. happening on the on the baseball field. Oh, it'd be uh, real, all right. Yeah, yeah, it'd definitely be real. Uh, all right, so maybe we'll get uh, either cardboard cutout fans or inflatable fans or stuffed fans. Uh, one of the other things I would love to see imported from the KBO, and this is also the case in Japan, are songs. Uh, players, guys, getting individual songs, uh, and the KBO is is smart, trying to get some American media attention. We saw this last week. Our Wiz, who were on ESPN twice uh, this past weekend created a song for Carl Ravitch, like a fight song. Not only did they create uh, a song for Carl Ravitch of ESPN, they then created a second Carl Ravitch song. So we played one for you, I think, on Thursday's show uh, with Don and Mud. Here's the second KT Wiz Carl Ravitch song. Oh, Kalabichi! Oh, Kalabichi! Oh, Kalabichi! ESPN Kalabichi Oh Kalabichi Oh Kalabichi 
Now, just imagine the friar on the dugout bopping up and down with a song about Mark Grant playing in the background. <laughs> love Randy, it. You tell me I can't have this. I like this. I love this idea. Now I'm, that I'm hey, I'll, I'll buy, I'll buy this. I like it. That's good. I, I, I'm a big fan of catchy songs for players. I mean, Jesse, you and I are soccer fans, and we know that different guys have different songs when they're playing. But one of the things that struck me when I worked my overnight shifts covering must have been the 2013 World Baseball Classic from home, basically, was in Japan. They had different songs for every guy. Some of them had trumpets. Some of them had different had different instruments. It was really cool to kind of see it like an atmosphere of that. That's not just the same. Let's go. Whoever clap, 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 you know. And so yeah. I, I thought it was really cool. It even got to the point where I don't even remember, couldn't tell you who the guy was, but Japan had some slugger who I, I can hear the trumpets in my head that when he came up, they played the same trumpets uh, each time. And I remember thinking, oh, this guy's up. Like, time to pay attention because he's pretty good. And so, I mean, it doesn't have to be trumpets or whatever, but if the fans... <laughs> another one, you know what? Another one that comes to mind was Shane Victorino had, in the 2013 World Series, had three little birds. And so every single time he came up to the plate, everyone in Fenway sang every little thing's going to be all right. And it was really cool because it was different and unique. And so, yes, I'm all for different songs. For Yeah, they guys. do the thing in Denver, Charlie Blackman, they all sing along. Yeah. It's kind of annoying depending on who you're a fan of, but um, there's something cool about it if it's your guys, certainly. Um, Warren Cromartie, who played for the Expos, spent a lot of years playing in Japan. I got to know Crow pretty well uh, in Miami working at a radio station with him. A, just one of the funniest people I've ever known. Um, but he was the first one that ever told me about like the songs in Japan. And he was still like so proud of the song that he had. And he was like, every time I did something, every time I came to bat, like the whole place sang it, you know, they loved him. He was a star player there and he was beaming, you know, 20 years later, 25 years later talking about it. And and that stuff's cool. It's very yeah. specific to the guy. And that's, that's kind of a neat thing. Could have had a Randy Jones song every time you took the mound. Hey, I tell you what, short season, anything's possible. We might put you in charge of this, Jesse. Then we'll have the first one will be a Mark Grant song. Then we can work our right way around. What do you, you think? You want me in charge of write, anything? I'll write some songs for the guys. Hey, there yeah. you go, AJ. Way to step up. Play your guitar. Near, near, near. Yeah, exactly. Finally. Um, <laughs> all right. That's that's pretty much what we got today. Um, again, the two sides in terms of baseball are talking. Uh, that seems to be generally positive, but um, I know we said this last week uh, because we were passing along uh, what I think was sort of considered uh, basic wisdom at that point, but this seems like it has to be the week uh, to try and get something done. So keep your ears and eyes uh, looking to baseball. AJ, you know, they want to play. They want to play by the latest in early July. If they're going to be able to pull that off with any kind of training, obviously things have to happen relatively quickly here. Yeah, and this does feel like a big week. That's not to make any declarations on when it will happen or what will happen and how it's going to go down, what the schedule is going to look like. But today's reports definitely feel like progress toward there being baseball, which we all we all agree that if it's safe, it's a good thing. Oh, there's no doubt. And I think they know that they got to hit this deadline if they want to play baseball or even – 50, 81 games, I don't care. You got to get these guys, you know, back in uniform, back together, playing a little bit. Starting pitchers will be going three innings. That's fine. It's fine. We've got plenty of arms, guys. Let's play baseball. 
Yeah, that's it. And that kind of goes back to the, the conversation I was having about the World Series at the beginning of the show. Like, don't let any of the weirdness bother you if you're a fan. And I, I think it won't. I think no. we're going to be so appreciative of having the game back. But you're right. Like, get ready for starting pitchers going yeah. through the innings in their first few starts like it's spring training. That's right. Yeah. Among many other things. Weirdness will abound. Big playoffs, DH, all that kind of stuff. It's a good weirdness. It's a good weirdness, though, Jesse. Good weirdness. Because it's on the field. That's, That's it. Right. All right. Well, thanks, RJ and AJ. Ah, thanks, AJ. Jesse, what a hey, great hey, day. Hey, Randy, you might want, to, might want to tune in tomorrow for my top five left-handed starters. Oh, right. I'll tune in. Someone I'm, someone I'm co-hosting with is number one on the list. I'll, I'll tease that. I'm a righty, so... I like it. That's well, a good piece. That it leaves only one person. I, I was going to ask who's number two. I think, <laughs> number two is a fun debate, and so I'll let the I'll let the masses wait until the story's posted. I, I look forward to seeing it, AJ. Thank you. Well, we'll look forward Bye. to that uh, tomorrow on MLB.com, Padres.com. Uh, everybody, hey, stay safe, uh, stay sane. Hope we could distract you just a little bit. Again, that's all we're trying to do. World has far, far, far more important things going on right now than baseball. Uh, but we do hope we helped uh, get you away from it for a few minutes. Uh, much love, everybody. Have a good night. Stay safe. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 530.